Welcome to Black History 365 The Throwdown, a series where I explain, educate, and explore historical events on some black figures in world history and recount the struggles and triumphs of black people worldwide. I'm your host, Yusuf Fursi, and in this episode, I'll be presenting the story of the Freedom Riders. The Freedom Riders were a group of black and white American civil rights activists who participated in the Freedom Rides, bus rides through the American South in 1961 to protest segregated bus terminals. During their travels, the Freedom Riders tried to use whites-only restrooms and lunch counters at the bus stations in Alabama, South Carolina, and other southern states. As expected, they were met with hostility from police officers, as well as horrific violence from white protesters. However, with all the adversity they endured, they had supporters as their actions and bravery were spotlighted on an international scale. The original members of the Freedom Riders totaled at 13, seven African Americans and six whites left Washington, D.C. on a Greyhound bus on May 4, 1961. Their objective was to reach New Orleans, Louisiana on May 17 to commemorate the seventh anniversary of the Supreme Court's Brown versus Board of Education decision, which ruled that segregation of the nation's public schools was unconstitutional. They would travel to Virginia and North Carolina, drawing little public notice. The first violent incident occurred on May 12th in Rock Hill, South Carolina. John Lewis, an African-American seminary student and member of the SNCC, which stood for Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and white um, freedom writer and World War II veteran Albert Bigelow, and another African American writer were viciously attacked as they attempted to enter a whites only waiting room. The next day, the group reached Atlanta, Georgia, where some of the writers split off onto Trails Ways bus. Soon after, the mob followed the bus in automobiles, and when the tires on the bus blew out, someone threw a bomb into the bus. The Freedom Riders escaped the bus as it burst into flames, only to be brutally beaten by members of the surrounding mob. The second bus, a Trailsway vehicle, traveled to Birmingham, Alabama. And those riders were also beaten by an angry white mob, many of whom carried metal, bike, metal pipes. Birmingham Public Safety Commissioner Bull Connor stated that although he knew the Freedom Riders were arriving and violence awaited them, he posted no police protection at the station because it was Mother's Day. Talk about a setup. Photographs of the burning Greyhound bus and the bloody riders appeared on the front pages of newspapers throughout the country and around the world the next day, drawing international attention to the Freedom Riders cause and the state of race relations in the United States. Following the widespread violence, core officials could not find a bus driver who would agree to transport the integrated group and they decided to abandon the Freedom Rides. However, Diane Nash, an activist from the SNCC, organized a group of 10 students from Nashville, Tennessee to continue the rides. 
U.S. Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, the brother of President John F. Kennedy, began negotiating with Governor John Patterson of Alabama and the bus companies to secure a driver and state protection for the new group of Freedom Riders. The Freedom Rides finally resumed on a Greyhound bus departing Birmingham under police escort on May 20th. The violence toward the Freedom Riders was not quailed. Rather, the police abandoned the Greyhound bus just before it arrived at the Montgomery, Alabama terminal, where another white mob attacked the riders with baseball bats and clubs as they disembarked. Attorney General Kennedy sent 600 federal marshals to the city to stop the violence. The following night, civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. led a service at the First Baptist Church in Montgomery, which was attended by more than 1,000 supporters of the Freedom Riders. A riot ensued outside the church, and King called Robert Kennedy to ask for protection. Kennedy would then summon the federal marshals who used tear gas to disperse the white mob. Patterson declared martial law in the city and dispatched the National Guard to restore order. On May 24, 1961, a group of Freedom Riders departed Montgomery from Jackson, Mississippi. There, several hundred supporters greeted the riders. However, those who attempted to use the whites-only facilities were arrested for trespassing and taken to the maximum security penitentiary in Parchment, Mississippi. That same day, U.S. Attorney General Kennedy issued a statement urging a cooling off period in the face of the growing violence. Kennedy would go on to saying, quote, a very difficult condition exists now in the states of Mississippi and Alabama. Besides the groups of freedom riders traveling through these states, there are curiosity seekers, publicity seekers, and others who are seeking to serve their causes, as well as many persons who are traveling because they must use the interstate carriers to reach their destination. In this confusing situation, there is an increasing possibility that innocent persons may be injured. A mob asks no questions. A cooling off period is needed. It would be wise for those traveling through these two sites to delay their trips until the present state of confusion and danger had passed and an atmosphere of reason and normalcy has been restored. So during the Mississippi hearings, a judge turned and looked at the wall rather than listen to the Freedom Riders' defense, as had been the case when sit-ins and participants were arrested for protests in segregated lunch counters in Tennessee. He sentenced the riders to 30 days in jail. Attorneys from the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, a civil rights organization, appealed the convictions all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which reversed them. The violence and arrest continued to garner national and international attention and drew hundreds of new freedom riders to the cause. The riots continued over the next several months, and in the fall of 1961, under pressure from the Kennedy administration, the Interstate Commerce Commission issued regulations prohibiting segregation 
and interstate transit terminals. And so this concludes today's episode. For more information on this podcast, you can check out my blog site at Real Free Phone, where it's on blog. Click on the tab Black History 365 for my written blog posts on previous episodes. The show is made possible by Anchor, which is providing a great and easy-to-use service for new and seasoned podcasters. If you enjoy listening to the show and learning something, then make sure to subscribe on Spotify so you can stay up to date with my future episodes. You can take it a step further from subscribing by becoming a supporter of the show. Your contributions can help me level up this podcast and sustain so I can sustain future episodes. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday and Friday so you can stay up to date with my future my new my new episodes. On the next episode, I'll be presenting a true crime story that was one of the catalysts for the civil rights movement. Remember that black history should be learned about and celebrated every day, not just in 28 days. So stay educated and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Yusuf Hersey, and until the next episode, peace.